This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. You know, people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. It's a big day on the Fenway Rundown podcast. I'm Chris Cotillo, Sean McAdam here. And we have Craig Breslow on the podcast today. We have been waiting for this moment since he was hired in early November. I guess rumors broken late October, but... Craig Breslow, the chief baseball officer of the Red Sox, joins the show today. We asked him about everything they have or have not done this offseason, how he envisions the 2024 team, and much more. It's an action-packed 30-minute interview. We teased last night, Sean, on the Insider Text program that we would be having Craig Breslow, so those people got a heads up. Uh, How would one in this wide world of ours get involved with that Insider Text program? Well, what a question that is, Chris, and because I happen to have the answer, and that is to be part of our insider text program with the ability to supply us with questions that you might want to ask a guest, the ability to provide questions when we have a mailbag edition, or just to communicate with me, with you, with Chris Smith on what's going on with the Red Sox. All you have to do is text the word JOIN to the following number, 617-751-6257, and then click the link there to begin your subscription, which is cost-free for the first 14 days, followed by a very affordable, if we do say so ourselves, $4.99 charge per month thereafter. Join us on the Insider Text Program and keep up to date on all the Red Sox news and be involved with the podcast. We have spent the entire offseason, that's me, Chris Cotello, and Sean McAdam, talking about Craig Breslow and what Craig Breslow will do next. And now, at long last, we can ask him ourselves. Craig Breslow is our guest on the Fenway Rundown today. Uh, Craig, your hiring was made official in early November, and I think we, the way we look at it is now it's officially official that you're making your Fenway Rundown debut. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, glad, glad to be here and glad that we're able to find some time. So... We know you're busy. We'll get right into it. Um, the first thing I want to ask is actually based on a quote from an old friend of yours and, and your former boss in Chicago, Jed Hoyer, last week after they signed Imanaga said that they're in the fourth or fifth inning of their offseason, meaning there's still a lot of work to do. I don't know if you want to use the same type of metaphor, but where would you characterize where you guys are right now? Are you in that fourth or fifth inning range? Are you closer to the ninth inning? And how close as we sit here less than a month away from pitchers and catchers, do you feel you are to assembling that final product? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, it's really, di- it's really difficult to answer that question through the lens of like what will actually uh, materialize, I think, in terms of, you know, pursuing opportunities to make uh, the team better in 24 and beyond in terms of having as many conversations as we, we possibly can with uh, free agents and, and other teams around trade concepts, I would say, you know, still kind of in, in the middle innings, um, you know, but again, uh, in, in order for these things to, to line up, there needs to be the convergence of a bunch of different factors. And you know, obviously it's no secret that to, to date, um, you know, we, we haven't lined up, you know, those things haven't kind of come together on, you know, impact free agents. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for, for that. And, and, you know, some of that is, is timing, um, you know, and, and finding kind of the, the right 
player at the right time. Um, you know, but I think as we're thinking through this, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure it's a nine inning game. Uh, you, you know, I think we're, we're trying to kind of balance taking a short-term view with the long-term outlook of the organization. And that's something I wanted to get into because, you know, in your conversation with Pete Abraham the other day, um, it seemed to kind of indicate that, you know, instead of the external additions or the big splash from outside being what puts this team over the edge, that kind of the way you've looked at things this offseason is you need the guys in the organization to step up, whether that be the prospects you talked about, the top three, and Meyer, Anthony, and Teal, obviously some of the young guys you have that have been in the majors. Um, that philosophy of, you know, most of the improvement or most of the impact coming from within, would you say that's kind of a product of just the assessment of the organization you've been able to do the last couple months or a statement on how the market has been with some of these prices or, or really if you could just kind of explain um, that line of thinking a little bit. Sure. So I think one thing that was compelling about this opportunity from the outside was the, you know, kind of the depth and, and the talent in the farm system, but also the you know, young kind of exciting emerging core in, in the big leagues, um, you know, guys like Casas and Rafaela and Duran and Abreu and you know, Rafi still, you know, young. And, um, you know, in, in addition to, to those, those minor leaguers that you had mentioned and others. And, you know, I think it is important to create as, um, as productive a development environment as we possibly can around all of those players. So not just in the minor leagues, but also in the big leagues and understand uh, the opportunities for those guys to, to step forward and emerge as, as cornerstone players. Um, you know, I also think the model that has, you know, it's clear the model that has been successful here for a really long time is the combination of homegrown talent with external impact additions. Um, so, you know, I, I would hate to think, you know, that, that, um, you know, in, in some way, there's a perception that the last two months are you know, indicative or predictive of how how we intend to operate going forward. Um, you know, certainly there's going to be a time where it makes sense to add, uh, you know, external add players from via free agency or, or trade that are impact players. And we're going to, to, to pay a premium for them. And, um, you know, I think that's how World Series contenders are are born. Um, you know, and I think that is very much the plan here. So I think it's a combination of, of all of those things, um, but wouldn't want to, uh, you know, kind of discount the excitement around that young group, uh, nor would I want to say that, you know, it's fair, it's entirely fair uh, to put so much pressure on that group that, you know, right. they are expected to kind of in totality represent a World Series contender. When you when you say that there's a time to add those impact guys, could that time be before opening day? Are you talking about, you know, a, a, the trade deadline if you guys are in it next offseason? Like, how do you, I know, tough to predict the future, but when do you envision that that time being? Yeah, I, I would I would echo the really tough to predict, um, you yeah. know, when that timeline is. I'm, you know, I've been here for essentially two months and am excited by a lot of the things that we're doing here and a lot of the people that we have here. But some of this is going to be dictated by the amount of progress that we can make, that our players can make, that our, that our coaching staff can make. And, you know, I think one thing that uh, I would want to, to make perfectly clear is, uh, you know, last place finishes for the Boston Red Sox are, are unacceptable. Um, and, and we need to, to own that and we need to do everything that we can, uh, you know, to ensure that uh, that doesn't continue. Um, 
and that, you know, I was competitive as a player and I'm as competitive in this position as are those people, uh, you know, in the office around me. So it's equally unacceptable for, uh, for us, for ownership, for our coaches and for our players as it is for our fans. Greg, on the day that you were introduced, team chairman uh, Tom Warner famously used the phrase full throttle. That has been um, talked about a lot in the region this winter. Um, I'm wondering what you thought that day when you heard that phrase. What did it mean to you? And how has it impacted, if at all, how you've gone about business here in your first offseason as the chief baseball officer? Yeah, well, I think, you know, con contextualizing that in a day where, you know, I think there was, in, in my mind, a lot of excitement, um, you know, around the press conference and, uh, you know, at least for me, super excited about the chance to kind of come back home and work for this organization that had been become so, so meaningful for me, I kind of took that. Uh, you know, as an indication of number one, you know, kind of ownership's investment in in this team, and number two, a willingness to to pursue all opportunities and all avenues to improve the team. Um, you know, I think Tom has since you know kind of tried to, to clarify, um, you know, what what uh, he had meant, but I, I would not say it's changed the way that that I've operated. Um, you know, I intended when I got this job to pursue every path to to making the the, the team as competitive as we possibly could in in 2024, um, while also adding that uh, you know we should do so without sacrificing wins in in 25 and beyond. You, was there any sense that he was unintentionally, of course? Um, you know, setting the bar unfairly high for you or even putting a target on your back because that sounded like we are going to be in on all these big name guys. We're going to make big dramatic impact moves. And for a variety of reasons that you've uh, talked about already here today, that hasn't happened. W w was there some pressure associated with that phrase for you? Yeah, I, I don't want to speak for for Tom, but I didn't feel added pressure. I think, you know, this, this job comes with immense pressure. And I understand that there's a, you know, there's a, a standard of, of quality and consistency and uh, that, that Red Sox fans have come to rightfully expect. Um, and I, you know, my job and my intention is to uphold that. So, uh, you know, I think I can appreciate, um, you know, where the where the the Boston Red Sox um you know kind of need to be positioned in the division in the league um you know and so it it would be difficult to add pressure to to this role um you know but I, but like I said what I kind of heard was you know let's pursue all opportunities let's ensure that we're chasing down every lead as it relates to you know in, improving the team as it relates to ensuring that you know we're we're not accepting of, of last place finishes. Um, and, and, you know, I do think it's, it's worth repeating that we, we wear that alongside our fans, um, you know, and, and, and that's what, what drives and, and motivates us to, you know, to, to do the work. And, and sort of following up on that, tell us a little bit about what your relation, your working relationship is with ownership at this point. Is, is there much day-to-day -day involvement? How are you managing up, as it were, to ownership new on the job? 
Sure. Uh, you know, I tried to, uh, as clearly as I could, or kind of articulate, um, you know, my my vision in both the short and, and long term for the organization, the excitement around some of these young players, the importance of giving them runway to, to develop and creating a development environment for them. Uh, I try to keep them apprised of, you know, some of the, the conversations, um, you know, around free agents or trades as they begin to, to materialize. Um, you know, kind of and in, in, in contextualize those against this broader vision, um, you know, for improving the short and long long term outlook of, of the team. And, uh, you know, the, the response from ownership at each step has been, you know, like this, you know, this is what you feel like the organization needs to do in order to, you know, kind of uh, execute on, on that vision, um, you know, then, then do this. Craig, a lot has been made about payroll and predicting payroll and projecting and all that stuff. Last year was around 225 before you were part of the organization. At this point, can you say if you expect that number to be higher than in 2023, lower, about the same? Yeah, so I mean, unsurprisingly, I don't think it's wildly productive to speak of, you know, with with specificity around payroll. I think uh you know how I am approaching this is that you know our our the execution of the strategy, uh, you know, is what should drive payroll, and and you know by all indications is what will will drive payroll. And um, you know I think again I'll, I'll keep coming back to it being really important for uh, you know us to understand which of these really exciting young players are going to become cornerstone pieces of, of a championship team and giving them um, the runway to establish themselves. And also, uh, you know, aggressively pursuing complementary and supplementary pieces, uh, knowing, like I said, that the, the model that has worked here for, for a really long time and arguably more successfully than, than any other organization over the last two decades is this combination of, uh, you know, impact talent that's brought in externally with impact talent that's, uh, you know, drafted or, or drafted and developed internally. And just you know, obviously you guys went out and got Giolito and made a couple of trades um, that, you know, involved giving up an important piece of the major league roster for to fill some other holes. As you look at the market as a whole, not just, you know, Yamamoto getting 325 or not just, you know, the return for Soto or whatever, but across the board, have you been surprised at how high the prices are, both in terms of financial value and prospects? Obviously, the team's asking for pitching. It looks like they're at, or, or trying to trade pitching or asking for a lot. Like, are you... Kind of surprised at how high the prices have been everywhere. Uh, so a, a, a bit, um, but also don't don't want to um, you know kind of cre- create this this perception that we didn't know that the asking price for starting pitching was going to be really really high. Um, it yeah. is. It's you know teams that win the World Series have impact starting pitching. It's critically important to to, to you know the team's success. Uh, we recognize that, and you know I think there's obviously uh, in in interconnectivity between free agent market and and trade markets uh, as it relates to, to starting pitching. And, you know, I, I can recall on, you know, during during the press conference saying that, you know, I was I, I accepted that, um, you know, building a, a, a winner would necessarily require, uh, you know, some level of discomfort and some willingness to be bold and, and decisive. And that that is still true. Um, you know, I think some of the transactions thus far have have indicated that willingness, but uh, you know, there's a there's a really blurry line between uh, being uncomfortable and being irresponsible, and it's it's one that you know I, I don't think we should cross. 
And back to the payroll thing, we've reported, other places have reported, you know, in, in terms of both trade talks and conversations with free agents. So you guys have expressed somewhat of a willingness to move money or move payroll or move some higher paid players before dipping into the free agent market in some other ways. There's been rumors about, you know, Kenley Jansen, Masataka Yoshida, and some of those guys. What is the rationale behind that type of um, communication of both teams and players? Is it that you feel like you need to move payroll before adding to it on the free agent market, or is it just kind of looking for smart baseball moves? Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, like, you know, without kind of diving into details of, of, conversations i i think you know my responsibility is to explore all opportunities to make like you said good baseball decisions and you know i think good baseball decisions for us right now are those that improve the outlook in 2024 and beyond and there will be times where you know i think we will be uncomfortably willing to sacrifice future wins in favor of of now wins um, you know, kind of based on my assessment, it doesn't make sense to do that right now. But that's also, uh, you know, I think that also comes with a very, very important additional statement that you know, we intend to be as competitive as we possibly can in 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 2024. In your comments to the Globe the other day, Craig, you seem to again. Um, sort of target maybe next off season or beyond for some of your more dramatic upgrades or bigger spending when you start to welcome that core that you have coming internally to become more established. But, you know, for a team that has finished last three of the last four years and looking at the landscape of the game, a team like Arizona won 84, 85 games and got all the way to the World Series for for frustrated fans, isn't there a case to be made that incremental progress this offseason is worthwhile rather than postponing any outlay for next season and beyond? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, kind of starting with um, the, the the first part of, of that question around, you know, can I point to the, the the timeline? Like, it's it's really difficult, right? Like, that timeline gets accelerated when, you know, you create a, a really productive development environment and players take steps forward. And that's obviously what, you know, what we're, we're trying to do. Um, and, and demonstrating progress is, is really important. Uh, and, and I do think that, that we can do that, um, you know, but as it relates to you know, external additions, um, sometimes those things just don't come together, which isn't to say that we didn't want them to, or we didn't, uh, you know, put forth significant effort for them to, um, you know, I think we need to, we need to ensure that we've got kind of one eye on everything that we can do internally to, uh, to, to push our players forward while we have the other eye on, um, you know, external additions that can provide impact. And, and that makes sense. Um, you know, and I know I, I said it earlier, but I think it's important to repeat that, uh, you know, things that may or may not have happened over the first two months aren't necessarily predictive of, you know, what the the future will be with respect to how we intend to operate. We need to kind of line up on, uh, you know, the the right player at the right time. Um, thus far, candidly, we we haven't, um, you know, but that doesn't mean that that we won't. You got asked, uh, you know, maybe 10 days on the job out at the GM meetings, uh, about your 
you know, building a relationship with Alex Gora, your manager, someone that you uh, were briefly teammates with in the past here, but uh, mm-hmm. obviously have gotten to know far better in the last couple of months. Wondering what that relationship has been like to put together, what your working relationship has been like this offseason. And uh, as an obvious follow-up, um, is there any negative in your mind to Cora going into the 24 season as on his last deal as essentially a lame duck manager. Yeah. So I think uh, the relationship between Alex and I is, is growing, is getting stronger, um, you know, is, is built on, I think a a very quickly developed uh, layer of trust and respect. Um, I, I think I have been as honest with him as I can possibly be. And, and he has with me, uh, as it relates to expectations and accountability and what he can, you know, and then that works in both ways, what he can expect of me, um, you know, and, and, uh, around, uh, you know, the way that I see certain players and their roles. And he shared those with me. I think the conversations have been really, really productive. Um, now, you know, there's a different level of, emotion, um, you know, in a conversation that takes place in December or January and one that happens in June or July. I think we both know that um, having both played and, and, and even played together briefly. I think, uh, you know, there's there's an understanding there. Uh, and, and then as it relates to, to his contract, um, it, we we have conversations, um, you know, and, and, and I think both he and I know that, uh, you know, those conversations take place between the two of us, um, you know, and, and, and at the appropriate time. Um, but I think we're both comfortable with the relationship and we're both prioritizing the work that we need to do to have a successful 2024 season as we can. On that topic, Craig, you don't have to look farther than your uh, ex-employer and the Cubs to see the craziness of what kind of the managerial market has become. Obviously, they let David Ross go and paid Craig Council a ton of money, kind of creating this managerial free agency. Does that change the game as you approach a manager's contract at this point that, you know, Alex could hit free agency and pursue a big deal like that. Has he expressed a willingness to want to experience that? Or it just feels like the goalposts might've moved in that regard a little bit. Well, I I think what I'm very comfortable and confident saying is Alex is, is one of the best managers in the game. We're really lucky that he's the manager of the Boston Red Sox. He's demonstrated an ability to, to, to win at the highest level here. Um, you know, and, and again, those beyond that, those conversations will take place between Alex and me. Um, but I think what's most important is having established this level of, of trust and transparency and open communication so that we can have really difficult decisions, uh, difficult conversations with each other. And just in terms of this weekend, obviously, you weren't here for it. Um, but last year, the winter weekend scene was a not particularly pleasant one for the people who were on the stage. And that's been well covered. Um, as you have interacted with fans, and, and I'm not sure how much you, you've paid attention, obviously fans are are angry and upset about last place finishes that you cannot at all be held responsible for. Um, first of all, just out, out and about, what is your int- level of interaction with fans, Ben? Message to them that you've spoken to, whether at the grocery store or whatever, and, and what are your expectations for what Springfield should be like? Yeah, so... Uh, l- l- let me start by saying that you know fans are frustrated and disappointed and angry and rightfully uh, because they care. Right? It's 
it's one of the things that's so attractive about playing in Boston or working for the Red Sox. Um, I would just want to add that we are frustrated as well and we care alongside our fans. Like these last place finishes are equally unacceptable for us as they are for our fans. Uh, and, and there are things that we can do and are actively doing uh, to, to try to ensure that we don't continue on, on this track and that we do, in fact, turn these turn this around and build, uh, you know, a World Series contender consistently over time. Uh, my interactions, um, you know, certainly I've, I've gotten noticed more uh, when when I'm out in public. And, uh, you know, I think generally fans are are engaged and, um, you know, kind of bright and ask uh, meaningful questions about, you know, what went into a decision or a direction. Um, but I'm not going to discount, uh, you know, how invested fans are in this team and how frustrated they are. Uh, you know, my hope is, uh, you know, we're going to put a, an exciting, dynamic, successful team on the field in short order. Um, but I also know that, you know, kind of sitting here in January and making those types of statements are probably pretty empty. Um, you know, I think that this level of honesty and transparency is really important. Um, you know, I think fan, fans uh, at the least being able to kind of think along with me and along with our decisions and, uh, you know, kind of fall in love with the exciting group of players that we're talking about, um, you know, is is what we can do. Uh, and, and I would add, like, fans should hold us accountable. They should be frustrated. They should be disappointed. They should they should demand uh, more from from us. Um, and, and that's a challenge that I willingly walked into. Greg, if we look at last year in a 78-win team, I think most people would agree, just on the surface, the, the biggest reason behind that was not enough quality starting pitching. Uh, to date, there's been one addition, that's Giolito, one subtraction, that's Chris Sale. Where do you see the rotation now uh, as we sit here in mid-January? And more broadly, because your expertise is in pitching development, what has your audit, as it were, of the organization's pitching future told you? Sure. So I think, you know, where where we are in terms of starting pitching is we feel good about, um, you know, the, the, the combination of uh, guys who took a step forward last year with, uh, excuse me, with Giolito and, you know, the 175 innings that he's, he's provided, you know, for the last five years, uh, plus like fairly deep com competition um, for, for rotation spots among guys who have been successful major league pitchers, but maybe not successful major league starters. Uh, so I think with the certainty of being built out as starters coming into spring training, prepared to take on the bulk of starting, uh, you know, I think we're giving guys like Whitlock and Hauk and Winkowski every chance to be successful as starting pitchers. Um, now pivoting to kind of what the audit of uh, the, 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 the pitching infrastructure, um, you know, kind of, Bared out. Uh, certainly, um, you know, our position player prospect group is ahead of our pitching prospect group. Um, on the one hand, uh, there that means we need to balance that out. On the other, I think we can point to some obvious development opportunities from some of the arms that we do have. 
as reasons for for optimism. And I think our you know our our pitching infrastructure starts with uh, the hiring of Andrew Bailey as our our pitching coach and Justin Willard as our director of pitching. We spent a ton of time together. They've addressed uh, coaches, players, um, and we have really shrewd alignment um, in terms of how we intend to to develop pitchers. Um, you know, and as I, I talked about earlier, uh, it's really important that we hold ourselves accountable to creating the, the best development environments that we can for our players. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we can point to Andrew and Justin building out these player plans and spending an hour on Zoom with every one of our pitchers talking through what the development opportunities are that exist and what their strengths are and how we envision, you know, kind of optimizing their performances as as a material um a, a material uh, point of, of evidence toward that. Um, but I also think that there's an opportunity, you know, kind of on a, an organization wide or, or, or systemically um, to, uh, to really push pitching development forward. Um, so I, I anticipate a meaningful step forward um, in, a, in a fairly short amount of time, but my, like I said, my kind of honest assessment is, uh, you know, relative to position player development, um, our pitching development is lacking. And Craig, last one for you before we let you go. As you look at the pitching market right now, obviously Montgomery and Snell, the headliners are still available. Um, do you envision still making an outside addition and could it be at the top of the market or do you feel like you have the group that you'll have in spring training at this point? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, there's still plenty of offseason left. Uh, you know, I think I've barely uh, explicitly kind of laid out uh, how we're going to prioritize, um, you know, the the our, our, our time, our efforts, our resources. And, and so is there a world where, you know, where those things come together? Like potentially? Sure. Um, but I also don't believe that it makes a ton of sense to sacrifice future wins in favor of exclusively 24 wins. I think mm -hmm. you know what we're looking for is the opportunity to improve the the short term term outlook while also uh, building you know around the the core group of position players um, so that you know we're not just vying for a World Series championship for one year, but we have this window where uh, you know we're we're competing for the division and for uh, you know World Series championships year after year. That's Craig Breslow. He's the man in charge. Craig, again, we really appreciate the time on the eve of your first winter weekend in beautiful Springfield, Massachusetts. So we will see you there. Thanks again to Craig Breslow for his time. Again, something we've been trying to schedule for a long time and really appreciate during what is a busy week. They have the rookie development program in town. Winter weekend starts tomorrow, you know, 30 minutes of Craig's time to kind of hopefully give some answers that people have had for a while here. Um, plenty of coverage coming as always from winter weekend. We actually are going to have a fourth podcast this week with Jonathan Papelbon. I know I teased it at the end of yesterday's episode, but Craig Breslow, uh, happened kind of quick. So Jonathan Papelbon will be a Friday morning podcast in advance of him hosting his talk show at winter weekend, which we talked about the other day. We'll have that all covered on the site on the pod. And of course the insider text program, which our listeners can join by texting the word join to 617-751-6257, then clicking the link to subscribe. Part of that process gives you a 14-day trial period. We are confident that you will enjoy that two weeks so much that you will want to be 
a lasting member of the Insider Text Program, which will cost you a mere $4.99 monthly. We think that's a small price to pay to stay up on all Red Sox info year-round and have access to us to the degree that you want that. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.